This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and I'm sitting here with my two partners in crime, Becky Avara and Carolyn Mele. Um, Becky, Carolyn, do you want to say hello? Hello. Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Becky adjusted her volume. That really helped a lot. Becky's once again, so I don't know how many people watch these. We have these on YouTube. Um, we just haven't really promoted them very much. So, you know, the, a lot of people don't know to watch them, but there are a few people that watch the podcast on, on YouTube. Um, Becky is in a closet. Right? So, um, and Becky's in a closet each week. We don't know why, but, you know, so um, there is that. Uh, I was starting to tell a story where we're still waiting for a few questions and we'll kind of jump into things here in a second. Um, but I was telling this story and, and I think we all agreed that, you know, when you look at your Christmas gifts, right? So I, I have on my Christmas gift right now, which is, um, or one of my Christmas gifts, which is this hoodie, right? And so, um, I bought this hoodie from American Giant, which does like limited releases for certain styles of hoodies. So all that camo stuff. Um, I still kind of want their uh, their their black camo with with red strings um, and then the red hood. Um, but if I get that, I'm fairly certain I might be kicked out of the house for a while. So I may end up having uh, Becky buying for me, giving it to me as a Christmas gift. Um, otherwise, I, I think I would be in real trouble here at home. But um, one of the cool things about American Giant is that, you know, everybody's having all these supply chain issues. American Giant. Now, I will tell you, it's not it's not inexpensive stuff, um, but it's all made in the U.S. So they're not subject to any supply chain issues. Now, some of the styles that they have are limited. I'm expecting that, you know, for Black Friday, there'll be some cool stuff. And I suspect that the other hoodie that I wanted will be for sale at that point. And I just can't imagine a scenario where I won't get it. Um, but uh, we'll probably have to make one of those deals that I made with my wife a long time ago. For every pair of shoes that I buy, I have to give away three pairs. Right. Um, but I still have, you know, I'm going to say conservatively 40 pair of shoes. Um, and I'm not like, and I'm not like one of these, like, oh, every time Jordans come out, I get a pair of Jordans or something. I'm not like that guy. I just, you know, have accumulated shoes over the course of years. Right. And so, um, now I guess we're on the hoodies, right? But um, if you don't, so I showed my wife uh, and she's like, oh, so you're a hunter now, you know? And uh, I thought that was really funny. You know, she really got me on that one. But um, so if you don't know, it's just, this is, uh, it's green camo. If you're listening to it on the podcast with uh, orange strings and an orange hood. And uh, I think the hard thing, you know, even though it's hard to buy something around Christmas and not have it as a Christmas gift, it's also kind of cold right now, you know, so 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe what I'll do. I, I did think of this one already. My daughters uh, haven't come home from college yet, and they're probably the ones that's gonna give me this, right? Give it to me, even though I bought it. Um, and so, uh, so I can wait at least until they come home, and then put it in the package. So I'll probably have two weeks with it. All right. So Carolyn, we have a few questions. Let's get this party started. Okay. Lisa's asking, are macro adjustments in PR just based on weight stability? What other things are considered? I would say weight stability is really about it. Um, to a certain extent, of course, as you're you know, workouts are changing and something of this nature. At the end of the day, like the big, the big idea with Eat and Reform is that we're trying to expand your total daily energy expenditure. It's so interesting too, right? When we first started with Eat and Reform, the concept of total daily energy expenditure was just this static thing that you would get, you know, through an online calculator or something. And now everyone is well aware that this is something that is very flexible and can expand as your calories expand. And then obviously, once your calories are a little bit higher, um, you're a little bit closer to where a surplus can be. So that's what, we're, you know, there's two levels of, of PR. There's performance, right? That's you know, you're using the fuel to, to get better at running or, or something of that nature. That's the big thing that I think about when I think of performance. And then there's recomp, which is if you are weightlifting or something of this nature, most of the days you're trying to get to a little bit of a surplus and you're using those other two days to sort of regulate things, right? And that process, it was really, really kind of interesting when you think about it. And maybe that's what we can talk about if things slow down a little bit because uh, I mentioned to someone that it'd be nice to kind of run through the history of Eat to Perform just because it's, it's, there's just so many pieces to it. One of the pieces is how we came up with the seven days, right? And the seven days, basically, you're trying to push to a little bit of a surplus um, and then you have the two days that regulate things. But you know, if we start to see weight, you know, fluctuating a little bit more, that's when we'll start to pause things. But the big value, of course, is kind of pushing things to the point where, you know, you're able to build a little bit of muscle along the way. So, yeah, I mean, really, it's not that much more than weight stable, but I will say like, you know, especially for my endurance athletes, I go in with the mindset that we're trying to push things one, to preserve their muscle, right? Because um, it's very common for them to work themselves into a deficit and then it's cardio is gonna always pull on your muscle, especially when you're in one of those periods where you can't do a lot of weightlifting. And so that extra food actually protects the muscle that you do have. And so, yeah, the idea is to, to wait, stay weight stable, but also kind of kind of push that that top in um that's another piece that used to be um my opinion sort of changed right people would ask me you know can I do um you know PR all the time 
And I, I used to say yes. And I still think it's yes, as long as you're okay with your weight going up a little bit. Um, but in reality, most of us, including me, you know, do like to manage our weight on occasion. So, you know, I think on the Sarah podcast that we did last week, she talked about how, you know, each year she does like a little, little cleanup. I think for most people, right, that, that are doing any level of dieting, that having a little cleanup once a year is much better than under eating all the time and not feeling like you're getting anywhere, right? And so a lot of it's about muscle preservation. Some of it's about muscle building. Um, and, um, you know, that's what the coaches are looking for as we go. Okay, Amy's asking, I'm in AP after losing 10 pounds in fat loss one. My lowest weight was 137 and now I'm sitting pretty steady at 140 when I hit my when I hit greens consistently. I'm happy with how I look, but I keep wishing and hoping for the 130s again. No idea why. I know I'm not supposed to focus on the number, but I can't get my head right when it comes to gaining for the purpose of building up calories and metabolism in prep for fat loss too. Any tips on how to look at this issue so I can accept the number as it is for this phase? Or is it possible I could be an AP and get back to the 130s by doing different workouts or eating different foods? So you're going to be very surprised by my answer because most of the things you said aren't the way that I think. You know, I know that, you know, in having discussions with your coach, you will often, you know, I mean, if somebody literally every single journal post is talking about their weight and the scale and things of that nature, um, the, you know, the, the coach is naturally going to respond that, it's, you know, it's a data point and you don't need to be focused on things like that. Um, in my opinion, in fat loss, those are good things to focus on, right? Um you're saying your fat loss one. So, so I believe what you're saying is that you went through six weeks, lost 10 pounds. And now as food is coming back, you know, you've kind of had a few moments where things got away from you a little bit. And then now we're at 140. Um, what I would suggest to you you know, especially if you're going to do fat loss too after the holidays, which is what I would strongly recommend. Um, here's a couple things that you can do um, to help with, you know, staying weight stable or going down. I don't think that you'll necessarily lose weight in AP without like just going nuts on the exercise, right? Like, so everything I'm about to say is really about kind of staying that 140, but kind of using that as a ceiling and, and trying not to go too much farther than that. One, I would definitely be making sure that you're doing some level of weight training, right? Even if it's two days a week, uh, definitely let's use that fuel to kind of build that muscle, fill up those muscles, things of that nature. Um, if you're trying to stay weight stable through the holidays and you have a cardio type of pursuit, I would definitely suggest you keep that in mix. 
that would stand in contrast to how I would view the way that most people would do PR, right? So in, in PR, what we don't want to do, right, is food starts to come back, you were doing 10,000 steps, and now you do 30,000 steps. That is not the goal, right? But if you can up that, especially in the next few weeks, because, you know, weight's starting to get a little bit uncomfortable, things of that nature. Um, and just, like I said, kind of use that 140. Don't, one thing that, that, you know, we talk about a lot every now and again, but, but maybe it's not been a focus of much lately, right, is your lowest weight of the week. For almost everyone, that's going to be Friday or Saturday, right? Because you got your Super Day set for either Friday or Saturday. The morning of your Super Day should be your lowest day of the week. Now, I know some some people are going to say, well, it's not for me, you know. But then you look at their file, and it is, you know, eight times out of ten. The one time that I will say it gets a little wonky is fat loss to week 12, right? That weight starts to really stall at that point, you know? And now not everyone, some people um, are still losing weight at that point. It's very visible. It's very, very obvious. And your coach in that instance will let you keep pushing, right? But for most of you, you know, you, you already lost 10 pounds. That's, that's a great number to lose in six weeks, right? That's, that's more than a pound and a half. Um, that's a big accomplishment. So the fact that you, you work so hard at that probably should, doesn't surprise anybody that you might want to, you, you were open to a little bit more cheesecake or wine or something in the next couple of days. We totally get that. Um, for most people in that situation, or if your fat loss is ending um, before the holidays, try and stay on plan until we can get those calories back to about 1800, 1900 NAP. And I think what you'll see is you'll see less of that type of fluctuation. But if we're trying to just get through December and you're trying to stay weight stable, and, you know, the three things that I would say are most important for most people is having some level of weight training, maybe a little bit of hit if that's something that, that you like, and then cardio, right? And basically, how you adjust that is based on what you want. We can focus on muscle building and things of that nature later. Now, what I don't want you to do, like I said, is go to 30,000 steps and start going to, you know, burn boot camp six days a week. That's a bad idea, right? Um, we're not trying to earn food here, you know, but if you can maybe, let's say, do weight training two days a week, you know, uh, up that CrossFit to, you know, I want to say, you know, maybe two to three days a week. When I say CrossFit, I mean, mean high intensity, but you know, that could mean at 45, it could mean 
stuff that you're doing at home. It could be in the workouts that we have that are short and more intense. Um, but then also make sure that you're getting in a certain amount of steps. But at the end of the day, what is going to keep you weight stable in AP isn't necessarily the thing that's going to keep you weight stable in PR, right? And so, you know, is it okay at that point to not be focusing on building muscle? I would say yes. And the reason why I would say yes is because it's only a four-week period, right? So we're only just trying to get through December. So whatever you like, whatever you enjoy to do, you know, as long as it's like not viewed as punishment for earning food and stuff like that, maybe, maybe kind of tilt the scale a little bit more towards, you know, kind of cardio endeavors or, or high intensity work, right? And just find what kind of fits the most. But the last thing I want to say in that regard um, is really don't focus on the fluctuation. As long as the fluctuation, like for instance, let's say that your weight goes up to 141 or even 142. The goal there isn't to panic, right? Um, the goal is that we see 139.5 on Saturday morning, if Saturday is your super day, right? And so this is how, you know, every coach that coaches people at Eat Reform did Eat Reform. And every coach knows what I just said to you. And that's the way that they do it personally. Eat the performers themselves often hear it from a coach, but don't internalize it, right? Um, or, you know, it just doesn't come up enough to where it's maybe, maybe obvious. But I think people focus on the fluctuation much more. And this kind of goes back to the first question, right? Where when you focus a little too much on the fluctuation, it makes you make bad choices. And then all of a sudden you're kind of giving us rainbow files rather than green files where you're consistent. The people that, you know, when you, when you look at why we need correct data from all of you, it's because, you know, it, it helps us make the right adjustments, right? So, you know, when you're giving us green files, like the first person asks, you know, what's the, what's the basis for, you know, getting more food? What's the basis for all these different things? Um, really, it's the consistency. You know, we're, we're going to really struggle, you know, getting you more food um, and really kind of pressing the gas in performance if you're not giving us what we need to do so, right? And then you go, well, but what if I'm okay under eating? Well, you're kind of missing the big picture on a lot of levels, right? Because at the end of the day, we're really trying to, um, so, so, so let me describe it this way. When we talk about performance recomp and we're talking about you know, uh, performance or recomp. What we're really talking about is fat loss, right? Because when you replace fat with muscle, that's fat loss. And so if we don't get calories to a point where we can build muscle, we're actually hurting fat loss 
you know, and and the problem that we run into that I think is a little disjointed for most folks is that we tell people the truth that the best way to do this is when you're not under eating, we're actually focusing on fat loss with building muscle. When you are under eating, we want to get in and get out, right? And, and that's a hard message for people to hear when they're going on Instagram and everybody's on a diet all the time, right? And when you look at all these people that seemingly are on a diet all the time or, or they're referring some kind of diet app or something of this nature, they don't do it that way, right? There's nobody on there unless there's some kind of, you know, medical intervention um, that is building muscle in a deficit. You know, the people that say that that can be done, secretly they know the truth, right? That that's very difficult to do um, on a lot of levels, right? Um, you're much better off being in a surplus um, occasionally and then sort of controlling that weight along the way. But when you look at the best way to build muscle, so I talk about this all the time. I don't talk about this all the time because I want all of you to do this. I just know it's the best way. So that's the way I prefer to do it. I don't wanna do it the worst way, right? But don't take what I'm about to say as Paul says I shouldn't diet every five years. I'm just saying I'm comfortable with a little bit more weight gain than you might be. Sarah said on the podcast last week that she, you know, tries to stick to one year. I know Stephanie does a real good job of one year. There's some of the women on staff that are a little bit more comfortable with two years, right? But the point being is that the longer you can have calories higher, and when I say higher, I mean over 2,000 in the 2,500 range for women, for men in that 3,000 to 3,500 range, the longer you can extend that on the calendar, the better off you're, you're, you're gonna be and the more likely you're going to be to build muscle. The one caveat I will say to all of that is that as we age, that all gets a little bit more difficult in terms of adding muscle, but it doesn't change anything, right? It's still better to be not dieting most of the time so that you're, you're not just because of weight, but because of energy and, and workouts and, and just all these things that are more favorable for life. I know we look, we get on the scale and we get focused on that number. And, you know, um, that was part of the question. I don't think I really answered that all that well. Um, I'm a big fan of, of the scale. I, I think it's important. I think that, um, you know, if you want to stay in the 130s, as an example, we're probably going to need fat loss too, right? And the one thing that I say, like, the, this is, I think a lot of people have thoughts about what I think and what I want for all of you, right? I want all of you to do the most correct thing, right? But I know sometimes we have to kind of meet you in the middle and that's fine, right? Um, but the one thing that when I'm working with a client specifically, um, we're gonna go to a lot of lengths to finish the full cycle, right? 
I don't believe unless you're just trying to clean things up, which isn't real, really weight loss. It's more just, you know, things got away from you. You know, there was, you know, the weekend in Vegas and then the girls trip and, you know, all these different types of things that kind of got away from you and you're five pounds higher than you want to be. So you're just trying to get that five pounds back. That's a whole different thing than actually being in fat loss. Right. But if you just do the one cycle, you're more likely to rinse and repeat. If you do both cycles, what it does, it, you know, so you ended, you ended at 137. It probably suggests that you're going to land somewhere in the neighborhood of 130 to 132, right? And in, in that way, right, if we started at 150, we land at 130. Now we've got some breathing room. I was talking to a guy today who had lost 100 pounds. And I was like, okay, tell me the truth. You gained about 20 pounds back and it bugged you. And he's like, absolutely. And, and I was like, be, because I was in his shoes, I knew what that was like, right? One of the hardest things that happens when you lose a lot of weight is just going back to normal. You know, you want to stay at 130 when in real, within, when in reality, if you lose 20 pounds, right, you go down to let's say 130, shouldn't you be comfortable going back to 135? Even if you land at like 133, 134, you know, being to be comfortable eventually going back to 140 is a good thing. And I'll explain why. Because if you land at 133, and let's say you can go a year at 140, we talked once again, you know, I keep talking about but the Sarah podcast came out so good, right? Um, if your weight fluctuates up seven pounds, and it, it naturally could, but you gain four pounds of muscle, right? You only need to lose three pounds of fat to stay the same. And so that's a lot of the math that we all get caught on, right? Where, you know, well, my weight was 130 and now you know, it's, it's 137. Okay. You gain three pounds of fat. Let's just lose three pounds of fat. You can do that in a mini cut. No problem at all. Right. But I think we focus on the eating less and being less part too much and don't realize the miracle we're creating. Right. Like when we first started, we had, we had, we were doing body fat testing we're not as big of fans of body fat testing as we used to be. It's fine. You can do it. But what was happening back then was people were just way too focused on it. But we did, we did learn one thing. And this happened across the board. All these people that came to us under eating and, it, you know, as many of you know, it's common. Um, they would put on muscle so fast, right? And it didn't make any sense because, you know, as I'm sure most of you know, the majority of our clients are anywhere from, you know, 35 to 60. And so the idea of like these 55 year old women gaining five pounds of muscle in three months um, made no sense. And, and people were talking about it like, oh my God, it's a miracle, you know? 
Well, I mean, if you've been chronically under eating, you know, for the last 20 years, you know, and now all of a sudden you don't, you know, your, your muscles are really, I would argue, more dehydrated than they are, um, you know, you're actually building new tissue. So when you went to get a body fat test, you know, now you're just kind of dealing with hydrated muscle, which, you know, in many of these cases was kind of drastically higher, you know, and um, the problem was, is you only get that trick once, right? And so th this was one of the reasons why we stopped recommending it so much. It's because people would get that five pounds of muscle and then they thought of it as if it was tissue and they thought that they could continuously add new tissue, you know, to the point where they would never have to go in fat loss and that they would continuously be building muscle and then they'd have eight pack abs and then peace out each form. And that's not really how it works. And it certainly wasn't how it worked for them. And then what happens is you become obsessed about body fat all the time, which often ends up being a distraction, you know, similar to the way that the scale can be a distraction for a lot of people, right? Is that, you know, we'll hear people say, oh, I feel so much better in my body. My relationship with the food is great. I mean, my sex life is amazing. Um, when I go to the gym, I'm not working out at 60% anymore. I'm much closer to 90%. My kids have started to notice that mom is eating more food. Um, we have things like ice cream when we go to on trips. We're, you know, um, not feeling paralyzed. But my weight is up three pounds. And it's like, I mean, like those other 10 things, that's like a miracle, right? And then you want a miracle to happen and then another wish on top of that miracle, right? So kind of keep that in mind as we go. And I know that was like a long-winded way of answering your question, but, um, but I think it's important, right? I think that, you know, um, as we're talking about all these things, it sort of reminds me of where we're at now, you know, because like I, I, I don't know if everybody saw my post today, but we're, we're closing in on 10 years um, and all of next year basically will be, you know, going into or coming out of year nine and going into year 10. So, you know, we've seen a lot. And, and the one thing that we brought to the table 10 years ago um, or nine years ago at this point um, was this idea that you normalize food. And sadly, no one else is doing it, you know? I mean, not in any real way, you know? I mean, you'll hear people talking about maintenance, but the concept of maintenance um, has been around forever. I mean, I remember Weight Watchers talking about it, you know, in the 1990s, right? But if you don't do it in a meaningful way, like when the science says that, almost all women should be eating over 2000. I think a lot of people were like, no way, you know, I'll gain so much weight. Well, we proved it, right? We proved it over the last 10 years that not only will people build more muscle, become leaner, and they can gradually deal with this as they go, right? Kind of on their timeline, like my timeline is five years, you know, but I'm, I'm, you know, I was 260 pounds. You know what I mean? I weigh 200 pounds now. 
I put on 35 pounds of muscle in, in the last five years, you know? So, you know, when you can think of things from the standpoint of, of patience, all of a sudden your world kind of changes. And, and I think a lot of the people, when I look at the names on, on, the, on the call, which many of you I'm very familiar with, you know, a lot of you are starting to realize that the patience thing kind of matters. I mean, it gets a little frustrating because we all want, I mean, the guy that I was talking to that lost hundred pounds, he lost it in a year. And, and I said, so I'm going to say one thing to you and I want to know what, what, what your thoughts are on it. I was like, it took me two years to lose over a hundred pounds. And when I think of it now, one, I think of how much muscle I blew through in that process. Um, but two, um, I wish I'd done it slower, right? Just because, you know, it's all better that way. And he totally agreed. You know, he just felt like he was in a race. And I said, part of the reason is that once you kind of hit that goal, you're almost lost. You know, it's like, how do I keep burning the candle at both ends? I mean, isn't this supposed to end at some point? You know, like a lot of people, you know, have, you know, let's say 130 pounds as a goal. It's like, but what if you're your leanest at 140, you know, and you don't, you, you don't know that until, you know, you really kind of push the muscle building side of things. Right. So yeah, so that's a long-winded way of answering your question, but hopefully that gave you a lot of information. I think um, we have one I more. Have, I have Go a ahead. private uh, question that somebody asked that is appropriate for this podcast and answer to your question. Um, Stephanie would like to know, I'd love to hear how I can maximize my new 300 club status in muscle gain. I would like to pack on as much as I can. I turn 50 next week and since joining a few months ago in PR and I feel amazing. Back squat has gone up 20 pounds after being stagnant for years. Of the exercise templates that are given at joining, which one can I follow to pack muscle on? I CrossFit five times a week currently and we lift heavy, not lots of cardio. So one of the things that you don't want to do is lift heavy. Right. Um, so, so here's how it kind of goes. Right. So this is interesting. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I'm starting to get some memories from it right now because I, I only competed in one weightlifting competition um, and it was right around this time of year. And so, so I'm getting all the videos and, and stuff of me working out to that point. Um, I knew that for me to lift heavier, that I was going to have to gain some weight. And I was body fat testing at that time. Um, I would go to the University of Minnesota, um, the, the place that they were doing body fat testing um, was named after Ansel Keys, which is Ansel Keys. Um, some people view him very negatively. Other people view him um, somewhat differently, but he was the person that um, basically, I would say, was the precursor to modern dieting, right? 
because he did the Minnesota starvation study and so many things came out of that Minnesota starvation study. And ultimately he's probably better known for, uh, or equally known for creating the Medita Mediterranean diet. Um, but the Minnesota starvation challenge really changed everything. And I, I would argue that a lot of what we are and wanted to become happened as a result of the, the Minnesota starvation study, because the one thing that people don't focus on in the Minnesota starvation study was the baseline, right? And the baseline for all these farmers in the Midwest was close to 4,000 calories. In fact, the lowest calories that they ever got to was like 18 to 1900 calories. And if you go Wikipedia it or whatever, you're going to see a lot of people that are really super skinny. The problem is, is we quit focusing on that. We quit focusing on being more active in that regard. Some people say that naturally happened. I would argue that, you know, um, we had a role there, you know, and now I would argue that we're, we're sort of um, going a little too far on, on some of that exercise. You know, many of the people that were participants um, in that study, you know, they're, they were lifting, they were strong, they were, you know, eating high caloric foods most of the time. And then, you know, the, the numbers that they were eating um, are normal for people to be dieting right now, right, for men. Um, and so, so it really set the basis for what ultimately became Eat to Perform, because at that time, you know, they set the standard and then pulled away the calories. If we look at what we do, you know, you haven't really done eat to perform if you haven't really been in P to PR, if you haven't really pushed those calories for a bit. So I go to my, um, I think I was 165 when I walked into the gym. Um, and I was willing to go to 190. My goal was to deadlift 500 to a certain extent. You know, I wanted to get my squat up to 350 and bench press and stuff like that. But my real thing was a 500 pound deadlift. Um, and I was trying to get to a thousand pound total. And uh, over the course of the next six months, I did get to, I think I ended up at about 180. I think it was 185 on, on some of my highest days. Um, I ended up deadlifting 474 pounds. I, I didn't really focus on the other two at that point, but I did get my squat over 300 um, and my bench press over 200, which was something that was a goal for me also. Um, so I go to body, get my body fat tested, right? And now when your goal is to lift heavy, you really shouldn't spend that much time, you know, um, doing a lot of sets and reps. It's helpful to have them in place, but it's more helpful to actually know what it feels like to have 520 pounds in your hands, right? So like, you know, you would train 
for overload and it routine to be on, you know, racks and you just pick up 520 pounds and you just hold it, right? That's how you get your, your grip strong along with a lot of other things. Um, so I get my body fat tested right after the powerlifting meet and I gained, um, all of it was fat. Every single pound. <laughs> I mean, imagine that you were obese and you say to yourself, now you're lift, lifting a god awful amount more, right? So I'm lifting a hundred pounds more than I ever had before. You know, I mean, my squat was always challenging to me. Now I'm going from like, you know, squatting, you know, 235, you know, to, to 315. Um, so you're thinking to yourself, of course there's muscle there, right? But when you're doing two to three, three reps, you're really kind of more changing the muscle fiber to be stronger rather than kind of expanding the, the muscle fiber, right? So the way that most people do it and the way that I did it, um, so this was, by the way, the, the weight that I had told all of you that, that I put on in that time um, of 35 pounds of muscle, that happened after that time, right? Because as I left that, I moved into more sets and reps training, right? And so instead of doing twos and threes, I started doing fives to eights, right? The other thing that I did was that I would exhaust. Um, so there's two things that you want to do. Upper body, you can go to failure, especially if you have spotters and things of this nature. You definitely do not want to do that with, um, with uh, uh, your lower body stuff. So squats and deadlifts, you, it's just silly to do it that way. Um, I stopped deadlifting. You know, I was pretty happy. Um, there was this thought of, well, you know, if I could have just gone to 500, I will say, you know, um, I did the 474. It was kind of easy. I still think I might have been able to get 500 on that day. You know, it's neither here nor there. That was a long time ago. And uh, it's still a lot of weight for an old ass dude to lift, right? Um, so, I, so I squatted for um, basically a year straight and did very little else, you know, almost every day. You know, I would do 20s all the time, you know, but because I was now lifting, I could do 20s at 275, you know, um, now I started putting on muscle, right? Like in, I mean, it was just visible. Yeah, you could see it in my quads, you could see it in my glutes. Um, and I really liked it, other than the fact that I'm really not the most gifted squatter, um, for those that don't know, I was in a motorcycle accident. So kind of my, my ankle is, is fused for the most part. Um, and so that makes squatting a little bit of a challenge for me. Um, but you know, I can still do it and I can still do it at a relatively high rate. You know, like I think in our world where people do lift weights and stuff like this, you know, guys go, Oh, you know, if I'm not squatting 405, 
you know, am I even a man, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, in, in real life, almost nobody is squatting over 300 pounds. 300 pounds is like significant weight, you know? And so um, I did start to squat, got past that 315 number, a little closer to 350. Um, but the changes in my body were just significant, right? And, um, you know, I don't remember the specifics, but the, at the time, I would say in the next two years, I probably put on 20 pounds of, of muscle, right? And the reason why I put on the 20 pounds of muscle had a lot to do with that strength training. So don't hear me and go, oh, my strength training was worthless. No, it was really, really super useful, right? Like your squats going up 20 pounds now means that all the reps that you do 20 pounds higher are more likely for you to build muscle. So if the goal is to build muscle and use, you know, the, um, you know, surplus in calories so that you get recomp, all those heavy weights that you lifted that got you that strength will get you more muscle as you go, right? But um, the problem with the problem with training with sets and reps is a lot of people find it boring. You know, I find it boring, right? So like the typical 20s, um, one, just so you know, knowing what I know now, I, I don't think I would recommend 20s to people. Um, I think even 10s is a lot. Um, I just think you're going to break form, you know. Um, it does kind of challenge the top end thing. It's a little bit more of a CrossFit-y thing than it is like what would actually put on muscle. Um, but if you're putting on, on uh, if you're in that five to eight sets range and you're using a challenging weight, I think you're going to be at a good place. Um, upper body, if you're um, exhausting your muscle, right, to the point where you're getting to that high rep range, um, and you can go to failure because you have, you know, spotters and things of that nature. I would highly suggest that you do that. Um, if you've ever trained with like a bodybuilder and there was one guy, you know, he, he's a natural bodybuilder. He's a young guy. Um, and I thought I was training back. Right. Um, now I will say I'm a lot stronger than this kid. Um, and so I, I have, you know, well defined back. Um, this kid has a more defined back, um, but man, he must, he, every time he was working out, he was doing like a thousand reps of, of just back, you know? And, uh, I just can't do that. You know, I, I'm just way too ADHD for that, you know? Um, but you know, is there room for a sacrifice? You know, I mean, if that's something that that worked for you, right? And you're highly motivated by that piece, you know, I would say that that is going to be one of the better ways, you know, to put on sizable muscle. Um, but for most of us, it's really going to be some compromise where you are doing a little bit of hit. It was kind of funny. Um, I was training with my powerlifting friends and, and we all moved to this other gym. 
and the the guy had a rower in his gym and uh you know i would go over between sets i mean you know these were these were guys that were doing like 10 reps in three hours you know because they're lifting you know like deadlifting 700 pounds squatting a thousand pounds right um it's exhausting to just get that on your shoulders right so i was nowhere near those kinds of numbers but i was trying to you know, kind of be part of the group and, and things of this nature is funny because almost all the women that I was training with were stronger than me, but they were, they were world-class weightlifters. You know what I mean? Like, like it was a high compliment for me when I could come close to any of their numbers. Right. So I would go over and in between sets and reps, I would use a rower and the guy that owned the place that initially, you know, we were all going over to kind of be part of his gym. He, he like pulled me off to the side and he's like, Hey, you know, um, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just, you know, between sets. So I figured I'd get in a little bit of uh, rowing just for a little better workout. And he's like, yeah, we don't do that here. And I was like, then why do you have a rower? You know, he's like, well, that's for my son who's in high school. I was like, so wait a second. What you're saying is, is that I should ignore my heart health and that, you know, I could potentially put myself at risk by doing some level of cardio. Um, and, I, you know, just to be fair, for anybody that is power lifter, knows a power lifter, this is not representative of all of those people. But I will say I was training with like champions, you know, um, the best of the best though, they always did way more than 10 reps. Right. Um, but it was the funniest conversation that I ever had. And it was obvious that I wasn't welcome there and I left, you know, um, <laughs> so, so it, it was pretty, pretty funny. I mean, there was a guy, you know, like I said, I walked in the gym at 165. I think he was 175. I think right now he's pushing 400, you know? Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of those guys die, you know, of heart attacks, you know, um, I mean, one, you know, your blood pressure when you're squatting a thousand pounds, you know, goes through the roof, just so you know, um, and, and your heart can't handle that and your heart can't handle that weight. And, you know, there's some sacrifices that you can make. You know, and when you see like really strong people, more often than not, you know, they die of very young age, especially when steroids are involved, right? Because their their heart health usually isn't the biggest priority. And so, um, but you know, like I said, it's not the case for everyone, but it was just it was just a interesting conversation that I thought I would relate because it was a. Uh, it's kind of a contrast to what overall health is about, right? Um, still like the guy, right? But uh, not not consistent with what my goals are. So um, the other thing that I really liked um, back in the day, this is something that I still, if I'm ever doing any kind of um, tricep work or a bicep work, you know, on like a pulley machine or something of this nature, is I would do 
there's a, a gentleman named Borge Fajarli, his last name, I think it's F-A-G-E-R-L-I. And he came up with this idea called myo reps. So myo reps basically would be using a challenging enough weight where you would use the weight to get to um, muscle fatigue. And then what you would do is once your muscle was fatigued, you would do three reps and then rest for, I can't remember the, I think it was like 15 seconds. Then you would do another three reps, then 15 seconds, then two. And, and you get to that last two and you can barely move the weight, right? And so um, I attribute a lot of the, gain, the muscle I gained to that way of training, right? Where you're really working towards muscle fatigue. And, and the thing that was interesting about what, what he was doing and the way that he was training people, and I think the way that he still trains people, because uh, he has a lot of like IFBB pros and stuff like this, it, you didn't need as many reps, right? And so that was a big advantage of that kind of training um, because like, if you think of the way that, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of a, a more boring way of doing it. Um, I did it, you know, I, I've done it in, in short periods of time. It's not something that I can do long-term because it just doesn't motivate me in that way. But, you know, you'll probably hear in the next five years, one or two times where I do train like that. Right. Because I do think it's helpful for building muscle. You know, um, so yeah, that's a long way to answer your question once again. Um, but uh, try and make sure that you're focused on uh, the, the kind of training, the kind of training that will um, give you hypertrophy and not necessarily just strength training. And even though you know, you might not have seen amazing, you know, results lifting heavy and it gets really frustrating because a lot of people think to themselves, well, if I'm lifting hundred pounds more than I used to, shouldn't I be gaining muscle? Not necessarily, right? Because you're kind of changing what the muscle fibers are trying to do. But then when you couple that with the amount that, you know, you can lift more and then you can lift more for five to eight reps, right, and get to that muscle fatigue, exhaustion, things of that nature. Um, I just can't, I just can't explain to you more that if you're doing lower body stuff, you have to maintain form, right? Otherwise, you're putting your body at risk. Lower or upper body, you can get away with a little bit more, right? But, you know, you're doing shoulders and and you're not exhausting those shoulders you're not going to build muscle if you're doing biceps and you're not exhausting those biceps you're not going to build muscle you know so kind of keep that that um in mind as we go um in answer to the part of your question about which templates to do that you had received Let's get jacked, both one and two, and muscle mania are both really good for what it is that you're looking for. Oh shoot! I thought I had said muscle mania. Um, okay, yeah, those are, those are um, what I would rec would have recommended also. 
All right. Well, I feel like we did this. Um, I appreciate everybody being here. Hopefully everybody um, enjoys the holiday. I will say I do have one thing that I would suggest to everyone. Um, on Friday, if you can, work out like I just described. Don't do massive cardio. It's one of the days that you're in a surplus, right? You're, you're potentially, and I'm not saying you're going to build a ton of muscle and things of this nature, but one of the things that we used to do um, is we would have uh, like a super total um, kind of training on that Friday, right? As a challenge. And you know, a lot of people would PR a lot of lifts because they had more energy from all the food. And then, you know, it's not just the food, right? You're usually sleeping better. Maybe you take a little nap midday because you're watching Detroit play football and they're awful, you know, so you just fall asleep. Um, and so um, I'm not going to say anything about Dallas because I don't want Becky. I don't want to get on Becky's bad side, but I don't think she, you're, you're not like a football fan, though, right? Not a huge fan, no, but I mean, you know, let's not try to get on my bad side now. You made me so happy earlier, so. That's true. <laughs> let's That's not true. ruin I'll, that. <laughs> and I still need you to buy that hoodie for me, right? So, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So I would highly encourage everyone, if, you know, if you can, to do kind of some of the workouts where I talked about with a little bit more muscle fatigue or, you know, try and lift a little heavy on those days and don't just view that as a day. Well, oh my God, I got to do two hours of cardio. Let's hike Mount Everest. You know, um, it's kind of missing the picture or the big picture, right? So hopefully everyone has a great holiday and I appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.